Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. All right, good morning, Crossroads. Uh, Welcome to our Sunday morning worship celebration uh, where we love celebrating Jesus, especially the closer we get to Resurrection Sunday and especially closer we get to warm weather, but really especially when, and I just saw this, when we know that Larry and Sharon are on their way home. They will be home today, so we get to see them for like a couple of days before they go to wherever they go for the summer home, so, but we're glad that they are on their way, and hopefully, yeah, okay, Larry's not driving and live streaming. He's, he's, he's driving, Sharon is watching. A um, couple of announcements as we uh, get started this morning. First and foremost, uh, just some reminders about, why am I not, okay, there we go. Some reminders about uh, upcoming events. First and foremost, our sunrise worship celebration Easter morning. That's going to be on Sunday the 9th of April. Sunrise is at 6.51 a.m., so we're going to begin at 6.51 a.m., Um, breakfast to follow, because that's what we do. Uh, But also, because we're doing a sunrise service, our regular Sunday, Resurrection Sunday worship celebration, is going to be pushed back. Instead of 10.37 a.m., it's going to start at 11.07 a.m. And also, the Sunday after that, uh, we're going to do a QA and a about just all the Gospels. We're working our way through Mark, but all the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, any questions you have, about the Gospels or the Resurrection. Uh, We will answer those on April 16th. Um, We're still continuing in the Book of Mark, uh, and I wanted to share that we got some favorable response to this teaching. Some of the people like it, some not so much. Uh, And I don't know if you guys can see this up here. Uh, This is the statistics from our website. Uh, This is from Wednesday, uh, because I was uploading Uh, the latest episode of the podcast that Mark and I do. And if you look, it shows like, I don't know if you've seen it, on the bottom it says number six. That's how many people have played it, I think as of 10 a.m. that morning, and most of them played. I mean, it's only six, so mark my words, the end is near. Uh, That's the message uh, that we did last week. There is some message I did years ago called The Return that somehow keeps showing up. And of course, the Naps and Nothing Moms podcast uh, just uploaded that that week that was there. That was Wednesday. Um, that was just showing for that day. This is showing for the previous seven days before Wednesday. And again, uh, the messages from Mark My Words, of course, Naps or Nothing, they're always up there. Uh, but people normally, when I go look at this, it'll be scattered. They'll be looking at and downloading messages from months prior, messages from years prior, uh, but so far, people are really staying focused on this series in Mark. This is on Friday, again, same thing, uh, the verses from, or excuse me, the Mark My Words, End is Near, top playing, and uh, for the previous seven days, instead of 450, 420, but still, up at the top is Mark My Words. So this whole series through Mark, People are resonating with it, finding something of interest in it, finding something that they're like, yeah, let me go listen to this, uh, because it's relevant 
to their life. Now, here's the reality, though. The thing we're going to talk about today, people may not resonate with as much. They may not be as happy about. Because the simple theme, we're only going to look at one passage. If you have a Bible and you want to open it up to Mark chapter 14, um, we're only going to look at uh, one passage of Scripture in Mark chapter 14. And the theme, the overarching theme of that passage is very simple. It is for us, the body of Christ, people who, who call ourselves the church, to put Jesus first. Very simple, very clear. It's going to become very plain uh, when we go through it. Uh, there is a passage in the book of Revelation where Jesus writes to various congregations, and he says, hey, look, I know there are things that you have done well. I know the things you have not done so well. And he writes to the one in Ephesus, and he says this. This is the Amplified Version uh, from Revelation chapter 2. He writes to the church in Ephesus, and this is after he has said, hey, there are things that you guys have, you guys have knocked it out of the park. There are things that you guys did really well. There are things that you guys have got a handle on, and I know you're struggling with. That's all great, but then he says, I have this one charge to make against you, and that's that you have left or you have abandoned the love that you had at first, you have deserted me your first love. This is his criticism to the church. All the things that they're doing great, that's good. He says, however, comma, this is the one charge I have against you. This is the most important thing. You've left your first love. It doesn't matter if we as the body of Christ, if the church, if we're building hospitals and buildings, we can clothe clothe every person in America and feed every person in America. Kind of unrealistic, but even if we did, if we weren't doing it out of love for Christ and telling them it was because of the love of Christ, it wouldn't be what Christ has called us to do. All right? So we're going to jump through a bunch of uh, verses in Mark chapter 14. I'm going to put all the verses up here on the screen if you, again, want to follow along, there should be a Bible on your table, left, right of you, underneath your chair. And if not, raise your hand, and we'll have uh, somebody bring you a Bible. Uh, in Mark chapter 14, verse 1, this is what it says. Now, the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread were only two days away. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. One version says that they were doing it deceitfully to try to kill him. Now, this is, this is an overarching theme that should, that should be, I guess, normal and understood, but it's not. But if your theological understanding of the Bible leads you to believe that you are supposed to hurt, kill, dehumanize, talk down to, ridicule, or whatever, people who don't think like you, that is not from God. Okay, that, That's not the way God works. That may be the way your denomination works or your political works, but that's not from God. Okay, um, next verse says this. But they said, not during the festival, or the people may riot. Now, here's, this, is, this, is, this is true, and I want to make sure we understand this. Um, people will tolerate things they hate as long as it supports something they love. So they said, hey, we hate Jesus. We want to kill him, but we love this festival, so let's not mess that up. 
Let's let the, let the parade happen. Let the, let the, you know, let's make sure we get all the cotton candy and hot. They didn't have that, but you get the idea. It's a festival and do all that stuff. Then after that, we can go back to hating Jesus. Because we hate him. We want to kill him, but we love having a good time. We love the festival. Right? And people will tolerate things they hate as long as it supports something they love. And let me give you a real-world example, and this may offend some people. This is the reality of the world we live in. Right? So there are people who will look at me and hate me because of the color of my skin, and there are people who will look at you and hate you because of the color of your skin, but they will tolerate you if you support what they believe in. So they may hate me because of the color of my skin or hate you because of the color of your skin, but then they'll look and say, oh, but you support the politics that we do. We'll let it ride. But the moment you say, no, I don't support it, then they will come for your life because they no longer need to tolerate you because you're not supporting something they love. But as long as you will support the thing that they love, they will tolerate you. That doesn't mean they like you. It doesn't mean they love you. But they will tolerate you as long as you support the thing they love. Okay? So they weren't going to disrupt the festival in order to kill Jesus. Now, while he, Jesus, was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume. It was made of pure nard, and she broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Now, um, don't miss this. Jesus was in the house of a man named Simon, but Simon was a leper. So Jesus was in the house of someone who everyone else in the nation said, we don't associate with them. Right now, in the Old Testament, God had created laws to help protect people against getting infected by leprosy. But those laws were not to isolate the person. They were to isolate the disease so that the disease didn't spread. In the New Testament, they had made laws that said, hey, even if the disease is isolated, Right? So let's say Kevin, because he's way in the back, so we'll talk about him. Kevin has leprosy. It's okay to walk on the other side of the street when you see Kevin coming, because you don't want to get leprosy. But the new laws said, hey, not only do you have to walk on the other side of the street, don't wave to Kevin, don't talk to Kevin, ignore Kevin, don't shop at the same stores as Kevin. When you go by Kevin's house, go three blocks out of your way around his house because he has leprosy. It was no longer about the disease. It was about demeaning the people who had the disease. And this is some of the same things we do in church today, right? There are Christians, whole Christians, who will go out of their way to collect food to feed the homeless, but they won't stop to learn the name of the homeless person and to see how they're doing. There were people who would go out of their way to make sure that, yeah, we have, you know, whatever social justice banner they're willing to fly, but they won't take the time to get to know the people who they're claiming to protest for, which makes no sense, right? Now, uh, this woman came with a jar of alabaster perfume. Now, this, it was a, it was a, a jar of, like, um, it says nard, it was like an oil that was used in that day for perfume, right? Now, she took it, 
It was expensive. It was valuable to her. And she broke it over his head because from her perspective, this was an act of worship. So look at what it says next. Next couple of verses, verse 4. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another. And again, this is, they were talking about her. They were talking harshly and demeaning her, but they weren't talking to her. And they said to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Now, here's the thing. I know for, for, for depending on where you come from uh, uh, and depending on what Bible verses you read, some of them have different verbiage for where it says a year's wage. I think there's one, uh, one uh, version says that it was several months' wages. Another version says it was like three or 400 denarii, which is a, a unit of money for that day, and one denarii was considered a day's wage, so 300 is almost a year's wage. And, and because this was a perfume, it wasn't a pot of money, each writer was translating it based on their perspective of how much that's worth, right? It's like when you look uh, uh, at a car, and one person may say, that car is worth about 10 grand. Another person may say, wow, there are no more of those cars on the market. It's worth 15 or 20 grand. Same car, neither one contradicting the other. They just have a different human perspective. But going with about a year's wage, a year's wage today, or excuse me, in 2022, uh, according to Indeed.com, uh, was $55,640. That's actually down quite a bit from like, I think, 2018 or 19, where it was 63 to 65,000. And obviously, you know, pandemic and, and lots of job loss and all that stuff uh, contributed to that. Now, it is not likely that this woman heard, hey, Jesus is coming to town, so I'm going to go grab my American Express credit card and buy $55,000 worth of perfume so I can go pour it out on his head. What's more likely is that over time she had collected this perfume because it meant something to her, because it was valuable to her. And then when she heard Jesus was coming to town, she went and took the most expensive thing she had and took it to give it to him in worship of him. Because she saw it as an act of worship. But here's the thing. They rebuked her harshly. Um, it's likely, now you, you, don't, you don't have to raise your hand to this, but I'm going to ask. Um, it's likely that this woman came up dumped the $55,000 worth of perfume on his head. They complained it could have been used from the poor, but how many people think they also probably talked bad about her from other ways? They probably, the Bible doesn't say this, thought, I wonder what she did to get $55,000. They probably assumed that she was promiscuous. They probably assumed that, 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 that she was uneducated. They probably made all these assumptions about her and talked about her. But here's the thing. She didn't care what they said about her. She didn't care what the cost was. She had it in her mind, I am going to go worship Jesus and put Jesus first. I don't care if they talk bad about me. I don't care that when I leave, they're talking about my sexuality or who they think I slept with or how they think I earned money. I don't care what they say. 
she had it in her mind that nothing was going to stop her from putting Jesus first. So she took the most expensive thing she had, and she put up with a barrage of statements from people who knew nothing about her, but judged her because of her worship of Jesus. Now, as with the next verse says, Jesus says, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing for me. Now, in, um, I want to show you, I'm going to put this up, the same verse in the Amplified Version, because I want to show you that it's not just me saying that this was an act of worship. In the Amplified Version, it says, but Jesus said, let her alone. Why are you troubling her? What, or excuse me, she has done a good and beautiful thing to me, praiseworthy and noble. Because from her perspective, this was an act of worship. Now, verse 7 says, Jesus responds also, the poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. This is something I wish, I wish again, uh, try not to jump off on a, on a soapbox here, but I wish the church would get, because Jesus makes it clear, you can always, anytime you want, help the poor. And then he says, crystal clear, there's always going to be poor, right? Uh, in the days when Adam and Eve had all their children and they were running around, some of them had more and some of them had less. Some of them had wealth, some of them had poor. In the days of Noah, when the flood came, there were rich people and there were poor people. In the days of Abraham, there were rich people and poor people. In the days of the Greeks, days of the Romans, World War I, World War II, there were rich people and there were poor people. Jesus makes it crystal clear. You're always going to have poor people. That's just the world that we live in. But here's the thing. We can help them any time we want. We don't have to wait until a congregation puts a ministry together to help people. All right, so Larry um, might still be watching. He's driving. He may not hear this. So Larry, uh, I don't know if he still does this because now they summer down south and winter somewhere else, but uh, he used to go and drive um, all over the nation to go and take animals from shelters that would kill the animals, take them from those shelters, and bring them to shelters that would not kill them. He did that because from his perspective, that was something that he felt that people needed, right? Uh, he also used to, I don't know if he still does this, volunteer at the food bank. Food bank gives food to people in need. He did that because he felt that was something that people needed. He didn't do it because we had a church ministry that said, hey, today we're going to help out at the food bank. He just did it because, hey, he said, there are people in need. I have the time right now. I can help them. Uh, Gary used to do the same thing. I don't think he helps out at the food bank anymore, but now he actually goes and helps out at a grocery store. And there are people, and I know I'm, I'm, I'm pointing them out, but I know some of you do the same thing where you just help people in need out of the goodness of your heart. You don't wait for a ministry to do it. You don't wait for uh, you know, a pastor to say, uh, here's what we're going to put together and here's how we're going to help the people today. You just do it because you know, hey, there are poor people out there. And if you have the resources and you have the time, uh, you can help them, right? But, but here's the thing that we have to stand uh, understand that helping poor people and those in need should not take precedence over worshiping Jesus. 
But if we're Christians, we should help them because we worship Jesus. It should not take precedence over coming together as the body of Christ. It should not take precedence over worshiping Jesus. But when we do help them, we should do it because this is what Christ calls us to do and because we're the church. Now, here's the thing. In verse 8, Jesus brings it back to his death, burial, and resurrection. He said, she did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Because I said a few weeks ago, as we get to the end of Mark, what Mark starts recording is over and over and over again, Jesus is preparing his followers, his readers, and all of us today for his death, his burial, and his resurrection, right? In verse 9, it says, truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached, throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Now, here's a question. How many people think that Jesus wanted to be told in memory of her just because she spent a lot of money on perfume? Probably not, right? I mean, if that was the case, they would probably name what the perfume was. How many people think uh, that he did it just because he felt like, hey, she needs to be the focus of this passage? Probably not, because they don't even tell you her name. Mark is like, ah, her name is not important. That's not the issue. That's not what the focus is. Jesus wanted the focus to be, or her to be memorized, because she put Jesus first. That's the whole focus of this passage. Being willing to, regardless of what people say, regardless of what people think, regardless of the way people are going to criticize you and judge you, oh, you call yourself a Christian, or oh, you go to that church, or oh, you do this on Sunday morning, doesn't matter what they say, doesn't matter what they think, it doesn't matter the cost. If we are the people of God, then we should put Jesus first. But he also brings it back to this most important key thing. He said, wherever the gospel is preached, that this is going to be told. And I think Mark emphasizes that for a reason, because when we started in Mark chapter 1, when we started the series back in January, this is the way it started, the beginning of the facts of the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Mark came out proclaiming, hey, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. When he did that, he was kind of upending the way that people use this word, because previously, the only people who would come out and say, hey, this is the gospel of whoever would be referring to a king. So by giving this same declaration to Jesus Christ, he was claiming he was king. And then Jesus started his ministry this way. After John was arrested and put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the good news, the gospel of the kingdom of God. He started his ministry declaring the gospel, and then we're not there yet. We will be in a couple of weeks, even though we've been at this for a while. Um, when you get to the end of Mark, it ends this way. Jesus saying to them, go into all the world and preach and publish openly the good news, the gospel, to every creature of the whole human race. That is the whole focus of Mark's book. The focus of today's passage was the fact that, hey, we are supposed to proclaim the gospel. We are supposed to put Jesus first. There is absolutely nothing that is supposed to take precedence over that, no matter what the cost, no matter what the issue. Uh, so here's, here's um, something I want to share to you, because there are some people that think that, oh, well, I'm an introvert. I don't talk to people a lot. So does that mean that I'm not doing 
good or that God's going to look down on me because I'm not going out and telling everyone, hey, here's the gospel, or I'm not going out and handing out tracts or doing that. No, that's not necessarily what that means, right? Because um, I put this up because Mark and I do a podcast called the Faith Responders Podcast. Most of you guys know it. Shameless plug. Next episode is out. Uh, responding to the lack of teaching about evangelism is, is the episode that we just talked about. Um, and um, let me skip back. Um, yeah, so when I put this up, uh, it, again, this was yesterday. First thing that people downloaded was this podcast. But when we were recording this podcast, and we were talking about evangelism, and we never prepare. We just say, here's the topic, and then we let the Holy Spirit lead. And I asked them, I said, what do you think, according to you, because anytime we talk about a topic, we want to define it. According to you, what is the definition of evangelism? And he said, well, evangelism is telling people about God. And he said, but, however, comma, more important than telling people about God is living it out. Because if I'm over here saying, hey, yes, there is a God who loves you and he sent his son to die for you, but I'm over here robbing, stealing, cursing people out, mistreating people, hating on people because of their color or their skin or their political beliefs, then everything I said over here means absolutely nothing. If I'm saying, hey, Jesus loves you and you should come to our Sunday celebration, but you see me over here yelling and screaming at people and cursing out people who think differently than me, then you're probably like, I don't want to be a part of that. So one of the things he said we, we have to make clear, and pastors do a poor job of this, is making sure that people understand that evangelism is not just going out and telling people, here is what God has done in my life. That's a huge part of it. But the biggest part is living it out so that people can see that you actually live like what you say. Because if you don't, then they want nothing to do with it. And that's a reason, um, I just saw another study this morning, or another article talking about all the studies that says why people are leaving the churches in droves. It's not because they don't believe God is real. It's not because they, they don't believe that God can help them or change their lives. It's because many of them are looking at the way that some people in the body of Christ treat other people outside of the body of Christ. They're like, I don't want anything to do with that. I'd rather just not be associated with you guys so I don't have to hate on people that think differently than me, believe differently than me, or vote differently than me. Which brings us to this question. So what? Why are we talking about this? Why is this important? Why is it so important that we put Jesus first? And I saw someone, uh, I think it was another pastor, who posted this question. And I, I just, I, my heart broke over the responses. And I get to this question, everyone is going to have a different response. But all of the responses were people defending why, instead of looking inside and saying, yeah, that's a great question, why? And the question he put is, um, if we sing about how worthy and how great God is on Sunday, why don't we tell others about him on Monday? Tuesday, Wednesday, and the rest of the week. Because if we're committed and we show up on Sunday and we want to sing, because we just sang, uh, where is it? We just sang this song that says that uh, 
I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the resurrection. I believe we'll rise again. I believe in the virgin birth. I believe in the St. Communion. I believe in your holy, your holy church. We just sang that song. And there are people, it's not just us, people all over the globe who sing that song. This is what we believe, that our God is real, our God is worthy of celebrating, that our God sent his son to die on a cross because he loved us that much. And if we believe it, and we gather, and we sing about it on Sunday, why aren't we out telling the people who need that hope about our God on Monday? And like I said, when that pastor posted that question, there were all kind of responses defending why and giving excuses why. And in my head, I was like, you know what? All I could say is, why not? I need to do more. So I'm going to ask you guys to stand. We're going to close out with a time of prayer. God, we, we pray this morning if we truly believe that it is through the death, burial, and resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ, that we can become members of your family. If we truly believe that when we step across that line of faith and believe that, that you put your Holy Spirit in us so that we might be a part of your kingdom, so that we might have your Holy Spirit as a guarantee of our eternal life with you, as your word says, if we truly believe that you loved us that much, then my prayer is that both with our words and with our deeds, that we would show others that every other day of the week. That we would show it in the way that we post, that we don't condemn and judge other people, that we would show it in the way that we treat other people, that we love others the way that you loved us, just like your word says. And that we show it by being willing to take the necessary time to share the love of Christ with our words, to show the love of Christ to folks in our circles of influence uh, with our deeds and our actions. And then as your Holy Spirit leads, to invite them to be a part of your eternal kingdom and to experience your love. And we pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes.